I asked the Lord this week, I said, I need a word that will shake heaven and earth. And I believe that God has challenged my spirit uh, with the word of the Lord. I want to preach on the fear of the Lord today. And I, I, I have a lot, a lot of different directions that I feel like I want to go into. But I think we're going to start this, this afternoon out of um, the fourth chapter of First Samuel. Let's see here. The third chapter of First Samuel. Verse 11, and the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel at which both the ears of everyone that heareth it shall tingle. In that day I will perform it against Eli, all things which I have spoken concerning his house. And when I begin, I will also make an end. For I have told him that I would judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he didn't restrain them. And therefore I have sworn unto the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be purged with sacrifice nor offering forever. When... Um, Let's see if I, if I have this here. When God created the um, tent of testimony, put inside of that was the Ark of the Covenant. How many are familiar with the Ark of the Covenant? Most of us that are believers understand that it represents the presence of God. And it said that it represented the presence of God and on each end was cherubims. And that he was called his name, the Lord of hosts. And those cherubims guarded the presence of the Lord. And so it represented the, the abiding protection of God, the abiding presence of the Lord. And God... He loves to dwell with his people. Because that, and this is, this is where we're at in this nation. We have too many ministers that would not guard the presence of the Lord. And the Bible says judgment does not begin in the nations, it begins in the house of God. Why? Because the house of God has more responsibility on it to guide the nation than Congress does. As goes the church, so goes the nation. Not as goes the president or Congress goes the nation, but as goes the church. The church is the body of Christ. 
And so it is the responsibility of ministers and preachers and prophets and evangelists and teachers to guard the presence of the Lord that it abides in the house of God. When the Lord performed this word, First Samuel chapter 4, Eli's daughter said this when she heard that Israel had been defeated. She said this as she was dying. The glory is departed from Israel because the ark of God is taken. We would all agree that probably there is no nation that is more blessed in the earth than the United States of America. This is what the word glory means in Hebrew. Honor, abundance, riches, splendor, dignity, and reputation. There is no nation that can align themselves with those adjectives more than the United States of America. Until recently, she had a reputation that made nations tremble. We were the nation that every other nation wanted to come to. We have been blessed by God. But when Eli, who was ahead of Israel, no longer put the value of God above his own children. God held him accountable. And Eli knew what they were doing and his boys laid in the doorway of the house of God and had sex with temple prostitutes. That's what happens when there is no longer any fear of the Lord in the house. Believe it or not, we have pastors that sit in their offices and look at pornography and then come out on the platform and give some kind of message and then they can't understand why they cannot bind the powers of demons and set men free. If there is anybody that's held accountable before God, it is preachers, hallelujah, because to whom much is given, much is required. And I tremble today as I stand before you because what we have in this house is the holy abiding presence of God that cancer cannot stay diabetes cannot stay undone every demon spirit of hell cannot abide in the presence of the Lord why because greater is he than the enemy and Eli knew what his boys were doing and he did nothing about it. This is one of the reasons that I stayed off a lot of Christian networks. It's because they knew a lot of the people that they had on there were unclean. But because they sang good or they had the latest book, they boosted ratings and we compromised to keep our network sovereign at the expense of releasing people who demons went through the airways and got into homes. 
You cannot promote yourself. The Bible says promotion comes not from men, but from the north, hallelujah, which is the house of God. For 49 years, I tried to build a house and could not do it. And in just a few months, look what the Lord has done. What was that? That wasn't me. It wasn't advertisement. It wasn't billboards. It wasn't the latest book. It was the sovereign hand of God that you and I are partaking of that. And so, the Spirit of the Lord departed in Shiloh. From the time of Moses to the time of Eli was about 389 years, and that's where the Ark of the Covenant was for all of that time. Israel thought that if they took the Ark of the Covenant to battle, that they would defeat the Philistines. So they took the Ark of the Covenant to the battle, the Bible said the Philistines defeated them and they captured God's presence. The reason that America is in the mess that it's in is because the church let the world capture the presence of God. And we sit in dead churches across America with nobody being moved. No wonder if we've lost everybody under the age of 30 because they don't relate to what you and I were raised in. Most of us are not living off of what we're getting now. We're living off of the roots and the residue of 20, 30, 40 years ago that we were raised in it. And so there are many times I do, re, I restrain myself from sin, not because of what I have now, but because what was poured into me as a child, uh, that I remember the heavy presence of God. Sometimes it's not love that keeps you. It is the fear of the Lord uh, that holds you uh, to the accountability. And the presence of God was captured the Bible said that the Philistines took the Ark of the Covenant, they put it on a new cart, hooked up some cows to it, and they pulled it into their land. Immediately, God begins to judge them, and they're smitten with hemorrhoids and tumors, and they realize that God is judging us. And they said, what do we do? They said, well, let's send it back. And so they, they made a chest of, of, of gold. Uh, uh, inside of it were golden types of the, of the plagues and different things, and they sent that back. And when it winds up in Kura-Irim, and the Bible says that it is there <clears throat> for 20 years. Now, I want to give you just a little bit of background because these are two major players in this story. Saul is, from everything I can study, Saul is 30 years old when Samuel anoints him king of Israel. He's 40 years old when David is born. He's 55 years old when David <clears throat> is anointed king by Samuel. Saul is, when Samuel anoints David as king, there with his brothers, most historians believe that he was about 15 years old. 
So Saul is 70 when he dies, and Paul writes in Acts the 13th chapter, verse 21, that he reigned 40 years. So David is 30 years old when he begins to reign. So Saul becomes king. The Ark of the Covenant is not in Jerusalem. It's in Kerah-Erim, which is not that far away, maybe a day's walk, about nine miles. And the scripture says this. David made this statement. He said, Saul in his reign did not consult with the Ark of the Covenant. How do you govern several million people and your God's chosen people and you do not feel a need to get God's counsel on how to govern a nation? Because of arrogance. Because it was not very long that Saul thought he could ignore the prophets, step into a prophetic office, and do things his way. And the prophet looked at him and he said, I am not after burnt offerings and sacrifices. He said, I am after a broken and a contrite spirit. And he said, God has taken away your kingdom and he's given it to a man better than you whose heart is after God. So we have to realize that David is born into a time where the presence of God is not valued. So think about it. It makes him that much more extraordinary because he is not in an atmosphere where God is valued. The, even the king is not valuing the presence of the Lord. He leaves the presence of God several miles away. And yet we hear this young boy, 14, 15 years old, singing our God is an awesome God and playing on the harp and writing the Psalms and ministering unto the Lord. What was it? There was this innate God in him that said, I must connect with my creator. And as he would play, God would look over at the angels and say, oh, I like that. And when it was time for God to pick a man, he said, there's nobody like David. He is perfect and upright, save for the sin of Uriah the Hittite. And God took David because David liked the presence of the Lord. When you don't have any fear of the Lord, you're stupid. Because the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. America is a stupid nation. We have shook our fist at God. We have told him we don't even believe in you. Our government has told God we don't need you. 
I got news for you. God doesn't need us. The Godhead was fine before Adam ever showed up and they fellowshiped with each other. It wasn't until the father wanted to give the son a wife that he created an Adam and Eve to be the body of Christ. But we need God. And the reason that America still has some semblance of blessing, it's not because of what's in the ground now. It is we are living off of the residue of what was planted another generation that did not have sexual identity crisis, that did not abort their babies, that did not embrace the Muslim religion but outlaw Christianity, that did not outlaw the Bible and tell we will not pray in our schools, but you can recite the Koran if you want. Can I tell you that thank God for the power of the long-lasting word of the Lord that you and I are alive right now because of another generation that had the fear of God in their spirit and held on to the things of the Lord. Oh, may God baptize this nation with a revival of wisdom that will bring us to our knees. Hand me my phone out of the, out of, I think it's in that bag. I want to read you something. This is a prophetic word. I didn't give it. I see a plague coming on the world and the bars, the churches, and the government will shut down. The plague will hit New York City and shake it like it's never been shaken. The plague is going to force prayerless believers into radical prayer and into their Bibles. And repentance will be the cry from the men of God in the pulpit. And out of it will come a third great awakening that will sweep America and the world. This prophecy was given 35 years ago by David Wilkerson. Don't tell me God doesn't know what he's doing and that he's not in control. And here we are trembling because we haven't seen God do something in the last six months. Let God do what God does. Hallelujah. You learn to rest. 1986, that was in his spirit, and he began to write what thus saith the Lord. Think about the prophecies that have been given way before 1986 to the house of the Lord. If my people who are called by my name, he didn't say if sinners will repent, he said if my church will humble themselves and pray, I will hear from heaven and heal their lands. So I have a feeling that before God's done, he's gonna shake everything that can be shaken to produce a fear of the Lord. I believe the Lord allowed the coronavirus, but think about it. If that was out of God's control and the devil was able to put that on humanity, then we should all be dead anyway because there's a whole bunch of other diseases he should have already put on humanity if plagues wipe out people. 
Should have done the 40s, should have done the 1900s, he should have done the 1800s. There should have been millions of people just keep on dying. But God had a protection. There's a bloodline around our nation. Hallelujah. There is a protection around you and I that hell cannot cross over unless God gives permission. Every one of you have a bloodline around you, hallelujah, that when the enemy comes in like the flood, God looked at that demon spirit and says, uh-uh, you ain't going over this, and you hold it at bay. You and I are alive right now by the power of the Holy Ghost because of the blood of Jesus Christ. I challenge hell in the name of the Lord to tell us that we are defeated. No, sir. We are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who has loved us. There ever was an hour that we need to be serious about serving God. It's this time. It's funny because the Bible says, seek the Lord, for he be not far from thee. God's nine miles from Saul, and he can't even spend a day to go get him. That kind of arrogance will mess you up. It made Saul commit suicide. Because you may not need him now, but... There can be a day when you do reach for him, and he ain't there. Because he said, my spirit will not always strive with man. So Saul dies, and the presence of the Lord is in Kura-Irim. And it's in the house of Abinadad. It's, it's been there for 20 years. The scripture says that Abinadad had a son named Eliezer. And that Abinadad consecrated Eliezer to, to be the guard, to keep and to protect the Ark of the Covenant. So his duties every day was to make sure. Can you imagine having the Ark of the Covenant in your living room? We think, oh, that's amazing. You do. Yeah, well, you know, if I had been alive in Jesus' time, I wouldn't have betrayed him. Yes, you would have. I would have too. We're human. Or, you know, if I could just see Jesus with my own eyes, I would believe. No, you wouldn't. Because belief is not out of the senses. It's out of the spirit. <clears throat> so Saul dies. The age of 30, he's had 15 years in between. Hallelujah. Come here, Nicholas. You foul, devouring demon spirit. Come here. Get up here. Hallelujah. You foul, devouring. I've had enough of you. In the name of the Lord, today, 
I break your hold and I open heaven over this young man in the name of the Lord the spirit of death hallelujah I break in the name of Jesus and I command you you spirit of death you spirit of heaviness you devouring spirit you leave right now in the name of the Lord go hallelujah now by the power of the Holy Ghost I've said angels around you to begin to give that which you have declared. I release it by the power of God. Sunday. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. So David becomes king. You must realize that David has the same anointing that Saul does. The same guy that anointed Saul is the same guy that anointed David. It was the same anointing, but how we respond to that anointing determines our destiny. Hear me, saith the Lord, for I have anointed many of you for such a time as this. It is a day of decision, saith God. You must choose whom you're going to serve for the next few years. It's going to be radical, saith the Lord. It will make your ears tingle if you are not close to me, for I am God and I am winding things up saith the Lord by the power of my spirit and my words shall come to pass saith God so here is David receiving the same anointing by the same prophet but he had a different heart. David becomes king over Judah. It's interesting that it is not until the seventh, in the middle of the seventh year of David's reign that Israel, the other tribes, come to David at Hebron, which means place of fellowship. And they said, we want you to be our king. And we want Israel to be united. And that Judah now no longer is the only tribe that is ruled by David. But all of Israel comes united under the kingship of David. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I feel a shift in the spirit of the Lord in the atmosphere in this place. Can I tell you that for, by the, for the next several weeks before this year's out, destinies are being determined by the hand of God. And many of you, hallelujah, God says that your next future will be determined by what you are saying to the Holy Spirit as he's moving on you in this hour. For the Lord says, I am loosing a delivering spirit, but I need to know that you love me more than the other things and that I mean more to thee than anything else in the world. Can I tell you that the glory of God is not going to leave the United States because the church is still here. That's the power of the church. 
And the media portrays the church as one way. But the true church is still alive and well in the United States. In the seventh year, in the middle of that reign, the scripture says that David inquires where the Ark of the Covenant is. The sixth chapter says of 2 Samuel, he gathered together all the chosen men of Israel. 30,000, he arose and went with all the people that were with him for Baal of Judah to bring up from thence the Ark of God, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwelleth between the cherubims. <clears throat> and they set the Ark of God upon a new cart, brought it out of the house of Abinadan, that was in Gibeah and Yuzah in Ohio, the sons of Abinadan, <clears throat> drove the new cart, and they brought it out of the house of Abinadad, which was at Gibeah, and accompanied the ark of the God, and Ohio went before the ark. And David and all of Israel, the house of Israel, played before the Lord on all these instruments. So, <clears throat> David does not take the time to find out how to handle the presence of the Lord. He just thinks, if I get it, that's enough. So, you know, I'm sure they had a staff meeting, and he said, hey, guys, you know, we're, we're going to go up here, and we're going to get the Ark of the Covenant, and God's going to bless Israel, and we are going to have a celebration. He gets 30,000 soldiers and all of these singers and musicians, and they're sacrificing, and they just say, boy, God loves us. The problem is they assumed that as God's people, they could handle the presence of the Lord or bring it back to them the way that the heathen did. And the heathen, you've got to go back to the scriptures and realize now the Lord put rings in that ark. And there were poles that went in those rings. And he said, flesh animals are not going to carry my presence. He said, this is going to be born on the shoulders of the priests. So nobody got to touch it in numbers. He tells us when they're making, he said, anybody that defiles the things of the temple, he shall die. But they didn't bother to go back and read it. There are so many Christians that are ignorant of some of the finer points of God because they spend more time on their iPhone than they do in the Bible. How many times have I heard people say, I don't have time to pray, but you got three hours every day on a screen looking at TikTok and YouTube and Facebook, and then you go, where'd the time go? Can I tell you, when you fall in love with Jesus, you will find that time begins to move quickly in the presence of the Lord. Why? Because it moves your spirit, man. So David thinks, we're, just put, we're gonna build a new car. Guys, build a really good one. And we're gonna put it on there and we're going to bring that back into Jerusalem. Um, he calls it the city of David, but if you read the Old Testament, the 
city of David is referred, or Jerusalem is referred to the city of David at least 45 times in the Old Testament. They're interchangeable. And it's twice in the New Testament. Uh, Jerusalem was captured by David, and he lived there, and then he built it up until it became the great city of Jerusalem. And so <clears throat> they're going to bring that back in, and so here they come, and he got... Um, Eli, he got Abinadad and or uh, Yuza and Ahio, the brothers, and, and their, you know, their, their grandfather is a priest. And he said, you know, I want you to just guide it. And here they come, and they're coming into the into the city of Jerusalem. And I mean, it's just a spectacular event. You would think God would have liked that. No, and for, I won't read it, but you can go back and read it later. But it says that. <clears throat> When they got close to Nikon's threshing floor, um, those roads back then had a lot of ruts in them from the ox carts and different things. And the, the, the new cart shifted in one of those ruts. And when it did, it looked like the Ark of the Covenant was going to fall off. And Yuza stuck his hand out to steady the Ark. <clears throat> And the Bible said that when he did that, God reached out of heaven and killed him. Here he is now. That'll stop a procession. Everybody quit playing their instruments. Singers stop. And um, said the the anger of the Lord was kindled against you, and God smote him there for his era. And there he died by the ark of God. For all of these people that in seeker-friendly churches keeps telling us that God's all mercy. If you just try hard, doesn't matter if you messed up living together. You know, you got sin issues in your life. God still loves you. Yusa died in front of the mercy seat. Right in front of the mercy seat, God killed him. And the scripture says here that when that happened, David says that he is displeased. That is a real watered-down word because it literally means he was wroth and he was angered and had wrath because the Lord made a breach upon Uzzah. The word breach means a separation. And he called the name of that place Perez Yuza. Yuza's name meant strength. So what he named it was, he said, today God has made a breach or a separation or a gap between himself and man's strength. Because God doesn't need our natural strength or our natural ability to create eternal purposes. And I thank God, you know, that our preachers are more educated, and I thank God that we're a little more classy than we used to be. But can I tell you that a degree does not mean greater anointing. 
just because they don't have great grammar, some of the greatest men that's ever lived operating the power of God didn't even come out of high school. Didn't Some they didn't know how to read or write. But you bring a gorder to them and they would say in the name of the Lord and that thing would fall off. They raised people from the dead. What was that? It was not their strength. God is separating himself right now from the strength of the so-called church because he's saying it's not by might and it's not by power but it's by my spirit saith the Lord David's standing there and he's so ticked off the next verse says and David was afraid of the Lord that day and he said how shall the ark of the Lord come to me this is what the word afraid means, to stand in awe of reverence, respect, and honor. We don't bring coffee in this sanctuary. Don't bring cold drinks in this sanctuary and sit down in the middle of worship. It's disrespectful to the presence of the Lord. If you're thirsty, drink it out there. We have robes on our choir members because we don't want our ladies being distracted by their dress or the congregation being distracted. This is a holy house. Hallelujah. And we lost our reverence and our respect for the house of the Lord um, until we've got churches that run in the thousands, people coming in tank tops and cutoffs, and they're drinking drinks and drinking cans of Coke and laughing, and then we wonder why God won't come in here. Can I tell you, when you come into the holy presence of the Lord, you are coming into the presence of the King of all kings and the Lord of all Lord, if you're thirsty, drink at home. Ladies, look in the mirror before you wear this to church. Make sure that you are not a distraction in the kingdom of God. For this is the Abiah. This is the Ark of the Covenant. And if we will reverence God, if we will hold God to a high place of honor, God will be in our midst. David, that day, the wisdom of God hit him. And he realized, I'm trying to get a hold of something that is a lot more important. Eli didn't respect it. And God let him die. Saul wouldn't respect it. And God drove him to suicide. And God wasn't about to have another man make the same mistake. Yeah, yeah. So he killed one man for the sake of a nation. You say, but that's just, I have people say, that, I just can't wrap my mind around. Yusuf was a good man. He's just trying to help God out. Let's go back for a moment. Eliezer, who was Abinadad's son, was to guard and to protect the presence of the Lord in that house. Yuza was Eliezer's son. So he grew up around the presence of God. 
What was the problem? He got used to it. It became a piece of furniture. Come in from T-ball and throw your jacket on it. You know, set your coat there. Moses is saying, my God, this was designed out of heaven. Ah, oh, yeah, but God understands. It created a familiarity in Yuza that one day cost him his life. You have to reverence God. <clears throat> Y'all want your pastor's appreciation money back? <clears throat> <clears throat> Because when, when David had this big shindig going, he was leading them. And there he was, boy, he was having a good time. He's in his king robes, and everybody knew it was him. He had his crown on, you know, and he's doing this. And everybody's going, oh, look at David. And then when Yuza died, everything stopped. Can I tell you that there has been a Yuza death in the spirit atmosphere in the church. And what we do next is going to determine what God does next. Haya Baba Sunday. Hallelujah. Mara Baba Kasan. Boy, I just I feel an authority in the Holy Ghost. We need not fear the world. We need not fear what's going on. They will not control our destiny. We control our destiny. Sharababa Sunday. Hallelujah. Congress, Biden, the Supreme Court has no authority over the church. The church, hallelujah, is the Supreme Court of God in the earth. And when God rules over a holy church, she releases a judgment in the earth that causes sin to acquiesce to the power of God. That day, there set the ark. I might go over a little bit this morning. This afternoon. There sets the ark. Uses dead. I'm trying to figure out. The Bible said that they decided to just, they were close to the house of obedience, so they just took the Ark of the Covenant to the house of obedience. I'm trying to figure out, how did they do that? Because you can't touch it. There's nothing in the scripture that says, and so David got some priests and they carried it. It doesn't say that either. So I don't know, maybe God cut them some slack. You know, look, he's, he probably figured, look, I've made my point. You boys just pick that thing up and get it in that house. So, here comes the Ark of the Covenant. They set it in um, Obedium's house. And David goes back to Jerusalem. And he is confused. He's angry. He's ticked off with God. He's thinking, I was trying to do you a favor, and this is how you do it. But as time went on, the fear of the Lord in him began to talk to him. And he got his guys and he said, listen, we need to figure out what we did wrong. 
And they went back and they read the scrolls. And when they began to read the scrolls, they found out that priests had to carry this ark, not animals. The problem that's been in the church in America, I had, a, I had a mega pastor tell me this years ago, we weren't successful in our church, and he said, listen, he said, if you want a big church, he said, you got to use the same dynamics and the same model that big business does. So you got to use the same kind of advertising. You got to market your church. And I'm, I'm thinking, that sounds like putting it on a new cart. You don't build God's house except the Lord build the house. I have people all the time asking me, how did you all of a sudden have this? We always made God primary purpose. We don't apologize for speaking in tongues. We don't apologize for casting out demons. We don't apologize for being Pentecostal. I don't apologize for the way Jasmine leads music. And you know what I found out? There's a whole segment. Remember years ago when we went into the, kind of this new wave of, of church growth that we all, everybody decided that hymns were, they weren't popular. Remember that? Nobody wanted to hear hymns. We're going to sing Hosanna and Vineyard and Hillsong, and they're going to be written by 28 years old that don't even know who the Lord is, and everything's going to be so slow, you feel like you're in a funeral, and it's going to go for two hours. <clears throat> Threw the hymns out. So then some guy comes along that decides, just by accident, there might be an element of people out there that like hymns. So Bill Gaither starts bringing some people that nobody wants to hear anymore, supposedly. You know, the, the Goodmans and Jake Hess and a whole bunch of people that everybody thought were dinosaurs. And they sit around and sing old hymns. And in one year, on the Billboard charts... Gator videos outsold every other genre of music from rock and roll to contemporary to jazz. Every one of them. Why? Because there was a hunger in America for hymns. Why? Because there was an anointing on how great thou art and it is well with my soul. You can have some of these other praise songs. And if you, I'll be honest with you, when I was in traveling a lot of times, most of the time the praise team did a concert and the whole audience just sat there and watched. But you kick into how great thou art or amazing grace, and all of a sudden, even people that can't sing begin to sing and join in. Why? Because of the draw of the Spirit of the Lord. And I got news for you. There is a hunger in America for a move of the presence of God that when they come into the building, they want to have a connection with their Creator. And when they do, God begins to change them and set them free by the Spirit of the Lord. God's church is not built on techniques from Detroit and General Motors. I don't need Facebook's model 
Hallelujah. Just to let the presence of God. Now, it doesn't mean that we're stupid or don't have any, some kind of semblance of order. You can have that, but it has to be built around the presence of the Lord. How many enjoyed these guys coming up here and singing? That was really cool. I loved it, Reggie. Hallelujah. I love that. But see, that's just a spontaneous thing that God does. Probably there ain't another church around that has at least 20 states every Sunday that show up. I still, that still just blows me away. What is it? There's hunger for God. So, David says, what do we do? And they found out, we need to go back and redo this thing. After three months of David having godly reverence now, Probably every time they saw that grave of Yuza, it reminded them. I can tell you this by the word of the Lord. There is death coming to this nation. And there's death coming to a whole lot of men who have been hypocrites and con men and have raped the body of Christ and wrote books that have nothing to say so they can make money, sell them on tables. Hallelujah. And there is a cleansing of the house that's taking place in this hour. David goes back. And he realized, all right, we're going to do this right. And that day, he got the priests. And I'm sure that all those guys are thinking, don't pick me, don't pick me. David looked and he said, okay, you, you three, you four, you six, whatever, you four guys. And they're going, oh, Lord, I've repented of everything in my life. <clears throat> I mean, I'd have done that. <laughs> they ran those poles through those gold rings, and they reached down and said, okay, I'm three. One, two, three. <laughs> and they're standing there, and nothing happens. And they realize this might work. <laughs> and here they come out of the house of obedience. Hallelujah. You know what they said about his house? He's been blessed ever since it's been there. You want God's blessing in your life? Build a place. For the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Build you a sanctuary. They picked it up. And they walk out. And when they walk out, hallelujah, there's these thousands of Israelites standing there. There's the singers and the praisers. And there's animals that are fixing to be sacrificed. And there's David standing in his king robes, in his crown. And when the presence of the Lord came out, he realized there's some king greater than me today. And the Bible said that David took off his crown. Hallelujah. And they thought, what are you doing? He said, I'm here to worship, not to reign. The Bible said he took off his king robes and he laid them down on the ground, put his crown there, and it said he stood girded in a linen ephah. What was this? What priests wore? David that day. Where did Jesus come from? from the seed of David. What was Jesus? Hebrew says he was our high priest. 
That day, David, hallelujah, took the DNA of the high priest that was in him stood before the Ark of the Covenant, disrobed of his accolades, disrobed of his honor, disrobed of what people thought he was. And he said, today, I'm just a servant in the presence of the Lord. And when that Ark began to move, David said, hold on. It stopped. David started doing this. Hallelujah. He began to pray. The Bible said he danced. He danced before the presence of the Lord said there was a roar that came up out of Israel what was it God was coming home there was a king of kings and a lord of lords that was in the atmosphere and there was a restoration can I tell you if we will lay down who we are and put on the robes of righteousness and begin to dance before God in the spirit God will honor us He danced before the Lord with all of his might. And David and all of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and the sound of the trumpet. And as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, see, she was born out of old order. She was married to a David, but she had the bloodline of a Saul. And she looked through a window. My first question is, why aren't you down there with everybody else? She saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. She despised him in her heart. They brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in its place, in his place, in the midst of the tabernacle that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And as soon as David had made an end of offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord. <clears throat> Verse 20 of 6 out of 2 Samuel. David returned to bless his household. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, Oh, how glorious was the king of Israel today. Who uncovered himself in the eyes of the handmaidens of his servants, like some vain fellow, shamelessly uncovering. I mean, you can just see this woman is really aggravated. And David looked at Michael. He said, Michael, he said, it was before the Lord. Hallelujah, which chose me before my father and before all of his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord and over Israel. Therefore, I will play before the Lord. <clears throat> and he said, and I will be more vile than that. He said, I will be more base in thy own sight. Verse 23, therefore Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no child 
because she died. When you despise worship, it shuts up the womb of the church. And there's lots of Christians <clears throat> that lead barren lives with no joy, no blessing, because they have no problem accepting Mick Jagger jumping around on stage or David Bowie or Lady Gaga dressed in meat and the fashion magazines just can't get over how innovative it was. It's so stupid. I'd have loved to loose about four big dogs in that place. <clears throat> How's that? <laughs> I was preaching recently. Don't go there, John. I was preaching about a month ago, and in worship, there was this guy. I mean, he was radical. And I got to be honest with you, and I had to repent for I'm thinking, you know, somebody needs to tell him just to tone it down a little bit. I mean, he was just going crazy. And when worship got over and the pastor took it, he said, come here. I think his name was like Michael or something, not in relation to who was in the book here. And he said, um, tell the audience, the church, why you dance like you do. He said, I was born with club feet, and the doctor wanted to amputate and said that I would never walk, ever. And he said, God, heal me, and my legs are straight. And he said, when I get in church, I just can't help but just doing this. And I thought, go for it, and Lord, I repent. Hallelujah. There are some of you that God has done such a number on your life that you need to get past this. Hallelujah. If it was not for the Lord, you'd be in hell, you'd be in a hospital, you'd be in prison, you'd be divorced, you'd be broke. Is there anybody in this place today that can shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph and say, he's coming back. My God has set me free by the Spirit of the Lord. Hallelujah! There is a release of the anointing and of the glory of the power of God. There needs to be a David anointing to get loose in the midst of this sanctuary by the glory and the power of the Lord. Hallelujah! Oh, he whom the Spirit has set free is free indeed by the anointing of God. God needs some bitter women that stop being ashamed of being believers in the kingdom of the Lord and release it.
Let everything that have breath uh, praise ye the Lord. Oh, there's something being loosed in the spirit of the Lord. Hallelujah. Disrobe in the spirit and let God loose in the midst of your life. Now, as I end this, I realize that we're not the church for everybody. So, I'm not indicting anybody else. But, if I wasn't saved, I'd be dead or in prison. Some people are born nice. I wasn't. There's an old man in me that you would not like. And he had to be crucified by the power of God. And I know what God's done for me, just as you know in secret what God has done for you. And but for the grace of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I release in the spirit of the Lord. This is my older call. If you are willing in the spirit to lay down your accolades, your money, your success, and just for about the next 15 minutes, stand in this altar and put on a linen robe, hallelujah, and begin to tell God, Lord, today I am dancing before thee. I don't, you don't have to dance in the, in the visible, but there needs to be a release of your spirit. Hallelujah, that will tell the Lord today, dear God, today, Lord, I am bringing you back into my life. I'm bringing the presence of the Lord back into my world. Hallelujah. That's it. Just for a little while now. Let's lose the spirit. Did not God say in the last days, I am going to raise up the tabernacle of David. What is that? It's you and me laying down who we are. Our talents, our success, our accomplishments. Come into the presence of the Lord and tell God, Lord, today to you be glory and honor and power and majesty and wisdom and dominion forever and ever and ever. Thanks for tuning in. For more information about KCM International or Regeneration Nashville, go to KentChristmas.org or RegenerationNashville.org. And for the latest updates or videos, follow us on Facebook and subscribe to us on YouTube. God bless you.